Hello everybody, this is Captain Cats. And we are Cats. Alright, welcome back to the show. Uh, this week we're going to dedicate to a very pop cultural film that influenced an entire music genre. Matter of fact, it influenced a lot of multiple genres. Both in a positive and negative way. Huh. <laughs> uh, and um, it also set the blueprint to what a villain should be. Well, the anti-villain. The guy that you love to hate. Mm. You know? And we are talking about Scarface. Not um not the original Scarface. Oh, the nineteen thirty two film. Yes, but it's also that movie was based on a novel from nineteen twenty nine. Right, we're talking about and 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 it's and it, and they're both completely different from the novel. Of course, we're talking about the nineteen eighty three Scarface, the legendary Scarface, the one that. Solidified Al Pacino. That made a lot of money. A lot of stereotypes. Well, technically, it did not make a lot of money well, because of uh, its its portrayal. Uh, yeah. But we'll get to what I say later. But um, it influenced a lot of people. It influenced a lot of... Um, Like, a lot of things in pop culture that are still being used to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk about it. How important is Scarf? How important is the 1983 version of Scarfaces to pop culture? Pretty damn important. And here's why. First things first, the cast. Oh, well, you know, uh... Um, Al Pacino, Stephen Bauer, Michelle Pfeiffer. She was a very young Michelle Pfeiffer. She was kind of a nobody. I mean, she was. I think she was in Greece too before this. No, she was in Greece one. No, she was in Greece two. Was she too? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, the one that sucked. But she right. But, but she was there. But she was singing and and um, she was. Well, I guess she's the one that held it together pretty much. I completely forgot about her. Anyways, they actually, they did not want her during this movie. At first. Right, right. But she pulled through and... She somehow just convinced somebody. She's part of history. Um, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who else? Uh, F. Um, F. Murray Abraham. Dang, yeah. Yeah, this is, yeah, he was Omar Suarez. Yeah, yeah. I think this was before Oh yeah, it was before um he gained fame in Amadeus. Right, right, right. Um Paul Paul Shenar mm-hmm. Sosa. Um uh, Angel Salazar, Chichi. Mm-hmm. He played Chichi. Uh Michael P. Morin. Um he was the guy who played Nick the Pig. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of people. I mean, there's a bunch of people. I mean, you won't say like, you don't know who Cesar Cordova was, but he was the he was the cook for the diner. Him. Yeah. 
And even the late, uh, he, he died recently, but the comedian Richard Belzer, he was a comedian in the, in the Babylon Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... But there is a, a negative thing about the cast. Uh, teen model Tammy Lynn Leppert. Um, uh, she was she played a portrait of prostitute during the chainsaw scene, but five months later she disappeared, and that was the last every, anyone's ever heard of her. Yeah, like I said, this bad, not so great stuff about the film. Um, not only that too, but the script was done by uh, Oliver Stone. Stone. Yeah, and I remember when we were talking, or I wrote about Conan. Yeah. Hey, uh, Conan was so good. Hey, he, he, you know, they got him to do it. Yeah, and... Um, well, I mean, it all started when Al Pacino saw the original 32 print uh, at a movie theater, and he's like, you know, why don't we just make a remake out of this? Right. Of course, there's the usual hiccups. Who's going to be the good director? You know, it's not going to work this way. It should work this other way. We've already tried the Italian one because it's overplayed. Of course. So why not? Well, know, not only that too, but he already did Godfather one and two. Yeah. So you know, you you know, they were like, well, you know, since it was you know the eighties, and they heard about what happened at, at um, the Exodus at Mariel. Yeah. You know, from the beginning of the movie, that was a real thing that happened. That was happening at the time too, and it it, it wasn't like a a one and done thing. It was a cultural event. And um, and uh, there was well, a, they based it off what happened at uh, the the Exo de Maria, the Maria boat lift, right, 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 um, between April fifteenth and uh, and Halloween of nineteen eighty. So they were like, okay, well, I'll just make him Cuban, right? Of course, Al Pacino insisted he play the uh, um, the lead, Tony Montana. Uh huh. Um, and it was said too in in numerous um, documentaries. Yeah, there are the people did make documentaries uh, just on Scarface alone. Um, that he didn't know Spanish for squat. He literally went to Miami and listened by ear. But he also had help from um, Stephen Bauer, right? And uh, uh, and uh, uh, and a coach, right? Know, to get not not just the language, but the you know the lingo, the way they pronunciate. You know, pronunciate. I mean, because if you go to if if, if you go if I went to Cuba, uh, Florida and I'm like, you know, okay, pass away, they would not know what that means. They would probably take it as offense because that's you know colloquial Mexican, right? But they, you know, um, just uh, a quick, just a quick, quick note. Just because we speak, okay, Spanish is like all all around, almost all, in every part. You got South America, for example. Let's use South America, for example. Not every country in South America will speak Spanish the same way as the next country. You have Argentina and Uruguay. Almost identical, but their linguistics is completely different. Chile has its own thing. Colombia, Venezuela, Ecuador, Bolivia. They have their, even though they basic Spanish... All in South America, universal. When it comes to the linguistics of it, the cultural aspects of it, completely different. Like, for example, Mexico, sausage, sachicha, right? 
go down to South America, you say sachicha, it could be a different thing down there. It, it, it could be like, sachicha could be down there, like for example, say in Colombia, a fruit basket. Or if I said it in Argent, or if I said it in like Uruguay, it could be a derogative thing, something inappropriate. It's that completely different. And then don't even get me started with Spain because that's a whole bucket of bolts over there of how things are over there. But yeah. Yeah, they had to, uh, Chino had to learn that. Mm hmm. And, and, and ironically, the only one who was truly Cuban in the cast was Stephen Bauer. <laughs> Right. Good example when they were at the cafe and he was having a um Oh yeah, cafe. he was serving no, he was serving the sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sandwich, man. Yeah. Well not only that too, but also how he was having he was um uh, cafe con leche. Oh the the way you're he supposed, was supposed to, to how the way that they how no, how the way they have it in, in in Cuba. That's how they drink their coffee in Cuba. Yeah, take your time, you know, little bits of cream at a time, just Right. Little by little. Because that's some really strong shit. Yeah, that's why, and you know, that's when they call like cafe cubano. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but not only that too, the filming was in Miami, and um, they did most of it in Los Angeles because of the Cubans. They um, they they um, they well, automatically except- assumed that this movie was going to get was going to give all Cubans a bad name. True, but there were spots in Miami that they did do. Yeah, yeah. A uh, good example, the famous chainsaw uh, the, the chainsaw scene. I'm just gonna say it. The chainsaw scene that was done in a famous motel, which is still around to this day. They actually, at first, they were embarrassed when they saw it in the film, but then the owners was like, "Ah, eh, you know what? Let's just take it with a grain of salt and see what happens." Now it became a landmark. They people actually go to that place, to that room. To see where it was all done. The magic happens, so to speak. Mm. You know? Um, not only that, too, but also... Um, a lot... Uh, 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 another thing, too, about the script... That a lot of people... It has been documented... It, it, it kind of has been documented... But it hasn't been out... Publicly... And I don't think Stone... No, I think... Did he or didn't he? What? Oh, you know, how he got the inspiration for Tony Montana's, you know, character? No. um, No, he just wrote it because... uh, No, 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 no. That one trip. Not exactly. See, he he was... uh, Well, he was battling coke addiction. Right, right. And well, so he moved to Paris to write the script because he was like, because if he he knew if he stayed in the U.S. and this was the time when Coke was Coke was just like sugar. Right, right. So he knew that if he if he stayed in the states to write this script, he would have uh, um, never have done it, the script properly. And um, and he said, "quote Because I don't think cocaine helps writing. It is very destructive to the brain cells." Mm-hmm. Sadly, nobody gave a crap about that at the time, until that NBA player. Yeah, you know. No, no, no. I'm talking about that one trip. Uh, the one, the one down in Colombia. Uh, I don't think. Uh, I don't know if that's real or not. 
Well, I will say that the part with the, the you know, in, in Bolivia, mm-hmm. um, it was based off a real dude that actually did stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and well, in case in, in case you're wondering what I'm talking about, I'll um, I'll just generalize it um, because uh, Stone ha- Stone hasn't really said certain things about it, but he did leave little hints here and there. So it goes like this: apparently, Stone, uh, uh, like I said, apparently Oliver Stone made a trip down to uh, Colombia to meet. Uh, a famous drug cartel. Um, let's leave it at that. And um, like you were saying about the scene in Bolivia. Oh, he's based on the Bolivian drug lord Roberto Suarez Gomez. Right. So his nickname was the King of Cocaine. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, he was one of the uh, major suppliers to the Medellin cartel, and uh, and that's where he met Pablo. Well, I guess the cat's out of the bag. Stone met Pablo, and also this guy in Colombia. He does, and let's just say he saw certain things that he shouldn't see. And he kept quiet, but he put it in a movie. But Stone hasn't said that if it um it's true or not. He just kept really quiet and just avoid talking about it in general. Cause let's face it, you know, who doesn't want to be on Pablo's bad side? Nobody. Nobody. So yeah. Um, not only that too, the cinematography in this film was excellent. Crazy good, but excellent. Ultra violent. Um, and on top of that too, you know, on top of that too, there was a lot of, um, memorable lines in this film. Mm. You know, um, and especially to the, the world is yours. Oh, that actually came from uh, not the. Uh, it was not an original concept. It was, I think, it was from the original. No, no, no. Well, this is what I've heard. I heard, I um, I heard that when they were doing that scene, the blimp showed up out of nowhere. That wasn't planned. That that was not planned at all. It wasn't staged at all. It just happened, and then they saw that it was. They said that the world was yours, and it was Pan Am, right? The director was like, no, 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 we got to get this shot really quick, 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 before it gets out of the shot, out of the scene, right? And they got that shot. But that, but the whole blimp, the, the, the blimp thing and everything like that, it was like 100% unscripted. It just, it, it was just like, it happened in the background. You know, it, it just came into focus out of the blue. Um, and, um, but not, no, but, but like I'm saying, not just that. Um, that actually, um, um, well, like I said, it, it, it wasn't original in a sense because in the original 32 film, um, Tony was uh, going after, I think, someone's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And so she visits, visits his apartment where he shows her his view of uh, 
a Cook's Tours electric billboard advertising. Mm. And it had the slogan, the world is yours. Mm. But, well, that's what I've heard. But um, not only that, the the influence this movie left has been staggering. Everybody keeps quoting it. Everybody curses like it. They don't even, you know, everybody can call you a fucking cockroach. But to this day, people will like to stylize it if they really mean it. Like, hey, you fucking cockroach. Right. <laughs> like, um, the most that it has influenced on, hip-hop. Oh. Everybody, when it, like, Especially in the 90s and in the 2000s, everybody wanted to be like Tony Montana. Yeah, or or go by what, what the movie was talking about. Like there was a, a um, I think wasn't Biggie Smalls. He was he was he. The only thing he he kind of got directly from the movie, but then you know made you know modern. He, well, at he, the time. he put his own twist to it. Yeah, except for the first two, you right. know the, when. Um, Frank Lopez, Robert Loggia, you yeah. know, he says, you know, the you know the rules of, of the game. Right. You know, the first rule is uh, rule number one: never underestimate the other guy's greed. And then he wraps something about, well, because if you don't, then this would happen. And obviously, the classic, uh, well, well, like the axiom, not not a, an axiom of, of doing of the game. Number yeah. two: don't get high on your own supply. Of course. But of course, he, he kind of Biggie had to paraphrase from what what um robert loja said kind of afterwards you know when you said you know don't yeah that's right number two don't get high in your own supply but then again not everybody follows the rules right um no but then he expanded further uh, on right it, and, right um it was a hit a yeah big hit. Uh, the song is called the ten crack commandments um listen to it um uh, you can see it was clearly inspired by scarface uh not only that too but also the lifestyle, the swag, the bravado, and also that huge chip on his shoulder. You know, almost every hip-hop artist, um, like I said, in the late 90s, early 2000s, all the way up to the mid-2000s, even up to now, like, tries to emulate, you know, um, Tony Montana, you know. Just basically, you know, um, the money, power, and respect part of it, you know. Yeah, first, you know, same. Yeah, especially with uh, who who said it? I think it was Manny. You know, first you get the power, uh, then you get your respect, and when you get the respect, then you get the chicks or the women. Yeah. You know, but not only that, but but not only on the that not not only that, but also too like, like I said, you know. The flashy cars, the good-looking clothing, you know, everybody knows you, you know, you're like the guy, you know. But I seldom hear uh, um, rappers talk about, like, you know, the dangers of doing that, like what Robert Doja told Tony, you know, when he was, you know, when they had their argument, and mm -hmm. he's like, you know, I brought you in this business, you know, because I saw some greatness in you, Um but the ones who 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 are do good in this game, who do really good in this game, are the ones that are quiet. They fly straight. They you know they, they fly, fly they fly straight. They, they fly straight low, and they lay low, quiet, peaceful. But for the ones who want it all, 
chicas champagne flash. They don't last that long. Mm-hmm. I seldom hear uh, 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 those rappers talk about like it could lead to your downfall. Right. You know, because you're, you know, you might have all this wonderful stuff, but you're putting a bigger target on your head. Mm-hmm. No, not just on your head, but on your back. You're just like a walking target. And unfortunately, uh, in a recent, uh, um, you know, some of those rappers did pay that price. Yeah. But not because of, uh, um, um, you know, you got haters or you got one rapper. You know, you talk shit about my family. Bang, bang, bang. No. Um, simply because of a simple robbery. Why? Because they did thought that, you know. So, like, say if you're a famous hip-hop artist, right? And you, you know, you got chicas, cash, flash, you know. I come and rob your spot. I come and I rob your house. Didn't know you were there. Bang, bang, bang. Why? Because, like, hey, I seen you on TV. You're like that famous hip-hop dude. You have all you have all this stuff. I want some of that pie. I'm going to take it whether you like it or not. So, you know, I saw, you know, you know, with... But there are some hip-hop artists that, you know, do talk about the dangers of that. You know, a la Scarface, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to get real high, but then, um, you know, there's going to be a moment of truth where, you know, one little thing or maybe one little F-up that you do will bring it all tumbling down. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean another gang or another hip-hop artist or you owe taxes to the government. No, it could be something as simple as a simple robbery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's so true. But but moving on from hip hop, another another place that Scarface I would have to say also influenced in one way or another, fashion. The reason why I say fashion, look what's coming back now. A lot of clothes from the eighties, a lot of clothes from the nineties. You know. You're starting to see people kind of dress up like that now. You know, a lot of the fashion, a lot of the clothing that they had back in Scarface, you know. Now, not only not only that, too, but also like. I've noticed that, you know. Now, you know, retro stuff is in. A lot of the 70s and 80s stuff are, are coming back strong. I wouldn't be surprised if. People start to dress up. Those people now who didn't know what the movie was back then will try to emulate that now. You know, not not just in clothing, but like you know, music. Oh, we'll get to the music in a bit. You know, like the music, the lifestyle. You know, basically being Tony Montana, but not being Tony Montana. Oh yes, you know. And, um, let's just get to the music. (laughs) One of the best, one of the best soundtracks from a movie I've heard in a long time. And still to this day, you know, it's still hot. It is still good. From when it was first released to now. Oh, yeah. And the, the, the cool, the good part about it was, uh. That uh, music-wise, um, they didn't want to uh, use popular music. That's like a cheap way. 
Right, right. You know, so, um, say for example, what was it, eighty three? Depeche Mode. Let's say Depeche Mode had a had a song out at that time, right? Every movie, every like you know eighties movie that's going to come out that year, they're going to have that song in there. Why? Well, because it's the hottest thing right now. Or John Hughes, right? He was really good at yeah. music. But okay, Scarface was different. Yeah. So instead of that, um, Brian De Palma, the director, decided to go to uh, Giorgio Moroder. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, he's still alive. He he's uh, I think he's, he's going to turn eighty two or eighty three this coming year right. this April. Mm-hmm. But he's still doing uh, music, right? And the point is, when they made him do do the music, it's like, um, well, uh, the Palma said that he he did not want Universal because Universal's like you know give it give it pop 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 I'm like no, mm-hmm. and um, um, he felt that Moroder's score was adequate. Right. What Baron De Palma didn't realize is that, that that soundtrack just kicks fucking ass. Yeah, it was what? It was it was synth pop, electronica. Disco, synth it's rock, not, and post disco. Right. Because remember, disco was that. Disco is, is pretty much a beating carcass at this point. Yeah. But um yeah, but then but but look at the tracks that was on there and the people who were singing it. Yeah, like uh well the well I'm looking at from the uh, uh, the vinyl release, mm-hmm. um, which I need to look. We need, I need to get, um, <laughs> but it ain't cheap, and I'll, I'll t- explain that in a little bit. Right. Um, so the first track is <laughs> the super, cl- like the one that pretty much puts the mu- musically Scarface on the map. Right. Push it to the limit. Of course. Um, the limit. Yeah, <laughs> and funny, uh, like a, a little funny trivia. Um, when South Park did the episode "The Ups and Downs of Steroids," they actually asked him to do a remix track to that song, and he did. And it was called "Push It to the Limit," the South Park remix. And he was cool. Yeah, with he it. mixed. Yeah. He mixed. He mixed it. He turned it into a, a techno format. And it was remixed by Marauder himself. Mm-hmm. So, and that song kicked ass too. <laughs> <laughs> but it it's good, but it's not good as the classic. Yeah. The classic is good. It's a, the classic is really good. Um, uh, then there's Rush Rush. Yeah. You know, Rush Rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. That was done by Blondie. Well, actually, just Debbie Harry. Debbie Harry. Okay, I thought she was doing it with Blondie. No. Oh. Oh. Uh, then uh, turn out, uh, turn out the night. Mm-hmm. You know, turn out the night. That one. Yeah, yeah. Hey, see, see, I know this shit. <laughs> um, that one by Maria Conchita Alonso, the, the actress. Yes. Okay. She's also a singer. Yeah. Um, funny, a funny thing about her was. She was a famous uh, singer before she became an actress. I think so. But back in but back in uh, her home country, right? Yeah. Yeah, because that's what I remembered. Well, she's Cuban, so right. So that's what I'm thinking. Like she was a famous singer before she became an actress. 
Yeah, but still, just... <laughs> yeah, it's a good track. Yeah. Uh, then there's Tony's theme. Right. You know, do, do, that one. And then uh, side two, um, one of my favorites, I guess. She's on fire! That one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to why in a moment. Uh, shake it up. Right. Believe it or not, the performer was Elizabeth Daly. She was a singer before she became the voice of Tommy Pickles. Really? Yes. Wow, did not know that. Yeah, that one was... Shake it up! That one? Yeah, yeah. I did not know that she did that. And then there was uh, Dance, Dance, Dance. Mm -hmm. Dance, Dance, Dance! (laughs) And then uh, um, Elizabeth Daly again. She's saying, I'm hot tonight! Wow. And then there's uh, the instrumental of uh, Gina and Ella and Elvira Steven. Yeah, but damn the the songs. Uh, if you if you pop them, um, if you go around your neighborhood and pop one of these songs on, you know you'll probably have the kids going like, "What is he listening to?" I mean, it's way different than the mainstream. Like this was this well since it's eight since it's forty approaching forty years. Hey, this song's 40 years old and it still kicks ass. Oh, not only that, too, but like, you know, just put it on while you're driving to work or, you know, on the weekend or something like that. You'd be surprised. People like, hey, what's this? You know, never heard of this before. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the, like the music stands the test of time. The, the movie stands the test of time. Um, not only that, too, but like I said, it, not, it, 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 it influenced a lot of different things in pop culture you know like lifestyle hip-hop fashion um art in one way or another um cinema yes and also the word fuck oh yeah it Um, was used 226 times in total yo was that again this world record uh, or they just don't want to admit that. <laughs> no. Uh, but it was one of the early earliest films to actually use it like consistently, like every other second. Ah, like, oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, even though the movie wasn't a financial success. Oh, and a little quick note: the company set up by former. Um, Iraqi President Saddam Hussein to launder money was named Montana Management after Tony Montana's money laundering operation in the film. It even got to (laughs) Saddam Hussein. (laughs) Like I said, this this film inspired both negatively and positively. Um, Well, yeah, like I was about to say, uh, the film wasn't that much of a, a financial success, and that's because of the blowback by, uh, um, you know, the Cubans that came out of the Maria um, boat lift, right? And a bunch of Cubans who made it to uh, uh, Florida, like you're giving Cubans a bad name, right? You're going to tell people, well, if one Cuban can do this, we're all bad. You know, that's not the case. They're hardworking. You know, right, right, right. You know, um, even though it was a financial flop. Well, it wasn't a flop. It made some moderate success, but not as well as it should be in the theaters. But with the invention called VHS, that's where it made up all of its lost money. Yep. And people started talking like, 
why haven't we seen or heard of this movie before? And it became a cult classic to the point where now it's just infamous. It's, it's one of those movies you have to sit down and watch. It's one of those movies where it's like, you know, it's it shouldn't be that good, but it's that good. And not only that, too, it influenced a lot of people. Hell, they even made a, an unofficial sequel to it, to the video game, through a, a release on the PlayStation and Xbox. Um, uh, PlayStation 2, Xbox, and Windows, uh, 2006. Yeah. It's called Scarface, the world is your, yours. We actually have that game. Yeah. I played the shit out of it. Okay. Um yeah, and that's why I talked about She's on Fire because that's the first like you can like they have their own collection of music. Right. A lot of music, you know, good picks too. You know, you have, you know, Judas Priest Breaking the Law, um, Cocaine Blues by I think Johnny Cash. Yeah. Some I other drug songs by Johnny Cash. But every time I go to the original soundtrack and the first track they have, She's on Fire. Yeah, of course. But not only that too, it also showed um the game also had like a little mini documentary of like, you know, the behind the scenes of the making of the game. And you saw a lot of famous people when they heard that they needed voice actors for the game. A lot of them wanted to be on this project. Um, good example, Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. When he heard they were gonna do this game, he wanted in and they said that well, how much do you want? I don't care if they didn't pay me anything. I want to be on that game. Why? Because it's Scarface. Who doesn't love Scarface? And you had a lot of famous celebrities on that game. Mm-hmm. Voicing. And some of them saying outrageous crap because it's part of the character. Right. And and some actually like you like for like for example, like Tommy Lee. Yeah, he didn't get paid. But he was still on there. Why? Because he he was a fan of the film. You know, you had what? Also, Bill Burr on in the game. You also had um, Cheech. Cheech Marine. He had to play one of the the the, the um, drug leaders from the movie. Well, the ones that decide, well, according to uh, wanted to plan against Tony. Yeah. Um, Gaspar. Right. Gomez. Right. And then you know the list goes on, like a lot of famous, a lot of famous celebrities. Um, yeah, you'd be surprised how influential this film was. You'd be surprised, like I said, influential both positive and negative. Yeah, a lot of negative, <laughs> but um, but you can't help and you can't deny it that it is it it, it is influential in pop culture you know from from the clothing the music the life the the non i'll just say it the drug-free lifestyle there we go um oh assuming that you don't get high on the supply or just not doing drugs in general but just that lifestyle of flash and women and cash and all that stuff. Well, a good example was uh, in the movie Nacho Contreras, El Gordo. Yeah. He wasn't, um, well, he wasn't doing drugs, but, you know, he was doing his thing, but he, he was doing his thing. Right. And then in, in the video game, you have to go hunt him down. <laughs> right. Right. But, yeah, 
See, like all of that, and then how the way it influenced a lot of other um, pop culture stat, uh, pop culture things. You know, um, this is a film that's gonna go down in that that will that is and still will be a very influential thing for pop culture for years to come. There will always be somebody who's never seen it, and then will watch it for the first time and be like. How come I've never heard of this film? My God, this film is awesome. It's inspiring me to do something. You know, in a non... <laughs> in, 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 like, a non... Illegal way. Let's just put it that. You know? Um, and I even think, too... Um, Pacino said one time... Um, he never knew how crazy the film was going to be until after he saw the whole, after he saw the film and he had to tell himself, did we do that? I, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> you know? So it was, was kind of like a really surreal thing. Um, and, and even in the, even in the video game documentary, um, they had Al Pacino asking about why he didn't want to, reprise his role as Tony Montana and he he was honest he just said you know hey age you know and plus the plus you know it was demanding doing the voice and movement it was very demanding you know he literally had to handpick the guy the 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 voice actor who was you know close enough to 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 actually sounded like him back in the day you know that says a lot so you know, do you guys self a favor if you guys never seen this film or have never heard of this film, go watch it any way you can. And I think it's uh, has a limited release in theaters for the fortieth anniversary. Go watch it. <laughs> Just watch it. Do yourself a favor, go watch it in theaters. If not, go watch it on Blu-ray, watch it on DVD. I think that at some point it was on Netflix. On any streaming service, whatever you guys can get your hands on. Hell, even if you got a VHS player, go find it on VHS. Um, do yourself a favor, watch this movie. Then you then you'll see why this movie was influential in in in, in both a negative and positive way. Listen to the soundtrack. I wouldn't be surprised after the film you just decide to go find the soundtrack. And have it in your personal collection. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Just watch it. This I think this was one of Pacino's best. Um, oh, God. That sucks. What? I'm seeing one that has uh, the original um, LP of Scarface. Mm-hmm. The most expensive I've seen is 150 bucks with four shipping and handling. Not surprised. Um, yeah, um, uh, watch this, um, this was one of Pacino's early, like, this was one, one of Pacino's early works, um, and I think this was one of the major films that he did after his first two films of The Godfather, mm. you know, and, uh, it showed he has a range, uh, an acting range, and... It showed he could be a leading man in almost in any genre if, if he put himself into it, you know? And it shows. 
All right. So that's it for this week. I uh, hope you guys had a wonderful time listening to us. I hope you guys come back next week where we talk about more crazy things in pop culture, both mainstream, underground, or the crazy weirdness that is the world of pop culture. On behalf of We Are Cats, I am Captain Cats. I hope you guys have a wonderful time. Have a wonderful week. Stay safe out there. Watch Scarface. Listen to the music. And you will see why we, us here, and a lot of people around the world are huge fans of it. Mm -hmm. So until then, take care. Yo-ho!